I'm really only in control of being prepared, knowing my stuff and knowing how I would do it and trying to lean in to who I am to bring that to it. Because when I was younger, I tried to bring what I thought they wanted and you can bring what you think they want, but A, you never know what they want and B, what if what they wanted was who you really are, but you never showed it. Welcome, I'm David Eggers, Broadway vet, director, choreographer, and now college professor. My goal here is to help you prepare for some of the mental challenges that come with a musical theater career. Join me and my guests as we uncover mental processes, perspectives, and mindset shifts that can help fortify and sustain you, even propel you forward into a long and fruitful career in musical theater. Thanks for being here, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Mental Game of Musical Theater. I'm David Eggers, your host, and I'm super excited that today we have one of the most wonderful, amazing, fun, loving, happy, talented people with us whom I am lucky enough to call a friend, Kate Reinders. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Let me just remind everyone of this incredible career that you have already had and are continuing to build. Yes, you have done quite a few regional and off-Broadway things, but let's focus on the Broadway because, wow, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Into the Woods, the 2002 revival, Gypsy, the 2003 revival, Good Vibrations, Wicked, uh, Something Rotten, which, you know, I do teach and a lot of people want to work on Portia, which is oh. was your role. Yeah. Beautiful. The Carol King musical. Also touring and Wicked. Well, the Chicago Company as Galinda. Mm -hmm. Also a bunch of TV credits and film credits too. Films that, like you've done at least 10 films that I could see. But if we look at TV, okay, Ugly Betty, Sherry, an episode of Modern Family, Anger Management, and then... The big one, High School Musical, the musical, the series, as Miss <laughs> Jen. Oh my gosh, yes. so many. Yes. Uh, we, we love that show, and so many of my students have loved that show. It's super fun, and randomly, my son goes to East High School. Which I love. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a career. Kate, it is incredibly oh. impressive. Well, thank you. I have been around a long time. You actually did start pretty young, though. I mean- Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I want to just like remind everyone that where this huge resume is now, at one point, there was nothing on that resume, right? Nope. <laughs> we all start with like a dream and a passion and we get out there and we start auditioning and stuff. Can we go back in time just at least for a little bit and talk about the beginnings for you? Am I right? Is The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, was that your debut, your Broadway debut? That was my Broadway debut, but uh, before that, I went on tour with The Sound of Music. You did? Yeah, the Richard Chamberlain one. No and way. And I was a nun and a party guest, and I understudied <laughs> Liesl and Louisa. Well, I had gone to the University of Michigan for a semester, and then I had some personal things. Someone, my basically my, my mentor passed away that fall. Oh, and so I oh had sort gosh. of one of those, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I, mm -hmm. you know, freaked out. Mm -hmm. And so then I went to New York to see if I even liked New York. And I thought, I don't know if I love this enough to maybe be a waiter or, you know, for the rest of my yeah. life. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone, my whole childhood always said, if there's something else you can do, do that. Right? 
Um, So then I had that moment of thinking, well, maybe there is something else I can do. Anyway, so then I went to New York. I stayed with my mom's friend for a month. And then I sublet my daddy Warbucks from Annie when I was 13. I sublet his apartment. What? Yes. Oh, there was a summer stock theater in my town in Michigan where I grew up. Okay. So there's that whole thing too. But Oh um, my gosh. Right. So I mean, I, I started as a kid. Uh-huh. Like we do, but not, you know, in New York. You had made a connection and you, so you were subletting from somebody that you knew in New York <laughs> City, just kind of like seeing, testing the waters? Testing the waters. And he had introduced me to his agent. So my second audition was for the Santa Music Tour. And then I got it. And so I said, okay, you know, I'll go on this tour instead of going back to college. By the end of that tour, I thought, well, this is what I have to do. And I love it so much. Yeah. And then I auditioned for Tom Sawyer that summer and I got it. But I was, I started off as in the ensemble, you know, a town's person covering Becky Thatcher. And then they moved me, casting called me and said, we're so sorry, but we have to cut a man, a woman, a boy and a girl. And they said, but we want to move you to an offstage swing and uh-huh. still cover Becky Thatcher. Will you do it? And I said, yes, I'm so happy yes. to still be in the show. Was that a, a a down, like they downsized after a production that happened oh, outside yeah, we of did, New York? No, no, no. We did a, we did a workshop. Oh, a workshop. Okay. So they downsized after the first, workshop. After the workshop. Okay. Mm-hmm. By the way, I saw, I saw that production. I loved you that did? show. I did. It was in, was it in the Minskoff or the- Oh, yeah. No, it was yeah. in the Minskoff and we had that giant wooden set. It was so cool. I, it so made such cool. an impression on me. That set, I still think about it today. And there was With a the, pool in the middle, downstage yeah. center. Yeah. And- he it was incredible. Jumped out of the water, I think, at the beginning still. I don't know. We changed it. We were out of town in New Haven mm-hmm. and we changed it a bunch. But um, Okay. So it played and out then of we town. It didn't open very long. I know. It didn't run very long. I don't know if what it was because it, it was a be really a strong things, production. Right? Yeah, you know, you just never know, right? You got to be a swing and an understudy. Interestingly enough, you also moved like right into playing roles from what it looks well, like. Well, yes, I did, Tom Sawyer. And then, though, when I was in Into the Woods, I covered, again, Swing or okay. Standby. Yeah, I covered standby. Little Red, Cinderella, Rapunzel. Oh, my god! The cow, the pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so actually, when I auditioned, when I had my audition coming up for Gypsy, or when I knew Gypsy was happening, I said to my friend who worked with Jim Carnahan at the time, I said, oh, will you, will you tell him I really want to audition to cover June? And he said, oh, no, Jim said he's bringing you in for June. Uh-huh. And I was I was so excited and so nervous, but and mm-hmm. I but I really did. I thought, can I please just cover her? And so, yeah, that was a surprise. That's awesome. And, and playing excited. June and that revival. Who was your Rose? Bernadette Peters. You got to work with Bernadette Peters. The dreamiest. Peters. Yes. Oh, no, wow. And I've loved, I mean, I loved her my whole life. She's an icon. Yes. And she is the nicest and she is so talented and so hardworking. I I love that. I mean, just can't say enough about her. Yeah. Yay. What an incredible show to be part of. And then Good Vibrations, a fun show that also did not last (laughs) very long, right? No, did you see that one? I did not make it to that one. I'm sorry to say. That's okay. No, we had a great time. But yeah, I do think, like we were saying, there are a million things that can happened yeah. with the show there it's a big puzzle lots of cooks mm-hmm. in the kitchen you never know mm-hmm. what's gonna happen 
That's right. Also, you got to do Wicked on Broadway and in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Was that a sit-down production in Chicago? Yes, yes. Anna mm-hmm. Gasteyer and I opened the sit-down in Chicago because the tour was so successful that they said, oh, wait a minute, maybe we'll just leave this set here and open a new show here or a new production here and then uh-huh. keep going with the tour. So yes, yeah, so we did it there and then I went and did it in New York too. How much time was there between Wicked and Something Rotten? A long time. Was there? A long, yeah. Yeah. Because after Wicked, I have a comedy duo with my best friend, Sarah Litzinger, called Tasty Skank. It's exactly what it sounds like. But at the time, <laughs> she was playing Belle in Beauty and the Beast, and I was Glinda and Wicked. What was this, 2006? And our friend Jason Egan over at Ars Nova said, do you want to do a, like a Broadway concerty thing? And I said, no, um, but we have this band, quote unquote, because we'd written like three songs, so we... Well, after we wrote one song, we said, we're a band. But um, <laughs> so I said, no, but can we do a show of our band? And we, okay, it's like a comedy duo. I don't know what you would call it. But he said, of course you can. And so we started this thing called Tasty's Gang. It sort of took off a little bit in that um, we went to the Aspen Comedy Festival. Oh, my gosh. And the HBO Comedy Festival in Aspen that winter. And we won the Breakout Award. Wow. And then we got a development deal with Sony. But then it was the writer strike, that ah, writer strike. The one I mean, prior the one to the one we just got. The one, yeah, uh-huh. the one prior yeah. to this one. So that kind of paused us, hurt our momentum. And then actually, when we finally had our pitch meetings, we were told that we were too female. Oh, that, no. What? Yes, that, like they said, Comedy Central, that their audience is more male. And we were too female. But we, so we were uh, too early. We were ahead of our times. You were. Ahead of but the times. Ouch. Yes. Ouch. How dare they? Like, what do you even do with that? No, uh. we, we just said, okay, I um, want to go back to being an actress. And then I did Sherry. The sitcom Sherry. Yes, in 2009. yes. Nine. And then I loved it so much because sitcom to me just felt like the marriage of all my favorite things. Really? Talk have, more about that. Live... Okay, great. I mean, old fashioned sitcom, right? You have a live studio audience. So basically, you're making up a little play every week. Every episode's a little play. And you rehearse it just for that week. You tweak it, you change things, you find the jokes. Every scene, one of the directors told me, he said, are you, you're from, you're from Broadway, right? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, I can tell because comedy is music, mm. right? There's a downbeat and there's a button. Oh and yeah, there's, I love that. And there's the, yeah. And there are like the crescendos and the, and it's the flow and the timing. It's always the timing. Build it, build yeah. It, and pace nail and, it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I also felt like Sherry was just a masterclass for me because it was Sherry Shepard, Michael Boatman, just people that had done sitcoms forever. So I just watched them and learned. That is so great. So you were able, able to take your like theatrical experiences and training and, and kind of right. morph them into this yes. on camera. Well, and, and yes. And when you have the live studio audience, right, you listen for the laughs, you hold for them, you cheat out maybe to the audience a little bit. But I just loved that it kept changing and it was always a challenge. And there's something about doing TV, well, especially High School Musical, it had four seasons of growth too. But I feel like you are a character, but you don't know the journey you're going to go on. Mm-hmm. And so every single episode's a little bit farther in that journey. And so there's an arc every episode, but then there's this 
greater arc and you can really become that character in a way that when you're doing a show, it's very satisfying and exciting to do an arc every night, right? And normally right. that's the more dramatic arc because we have to tell the whole story quickly and mm-hmm. stakes, stakes, stakes. Yeah, um, yeah. But TV is more like the small moments of your life that you can be quiet and but still present in. And so I love that too. Sherry, you said there was a live audience there, High School Musical the series there oh, right. was no live audience, right? And how yes, many cameras in, did you work? Like the two three. different things too. But uh, but in between those two shows though, I did this show called Work It, which okay. we made 13 episodes, um, but they think they aired two or three. Still, I got the experience of doing 13 episodes and that was also a sitcom with a live studio audience. It was, wow. So yes. So I think I had more of that. But yes, High School Musical, there was no live studio audience, which brought it, like I was saying, like even closer, even more into the quiet, mm-hmm. you know, the thoughts of your character. Part of me wonders when you don't have a live studio audience, you're probably doing more close-up work with the cameras, possibly. I wonder if it feels Mm -hmm. a little bit more like film in some ways. I think so. Like I said, like with a sitcom, you know, you're going to go through that whole scene normally because you're telling the audience the story over the course of the taping. But with multicam, it's every day is just a couple scenes or a few pages or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And you get it from all the different angles and all the different sizes and start mm-hmm. wide and come in close. And when we had lots of characters in a scene, it took a long time. And I would often have, you know, welcome wildcats and this and that and this and that and everybody do this and telling you big paragraphs. And I would say them over and over and over all day long. Wow. And that's a completely different muscle to keep fresh and to I keep imagine. focused than yeah anything else I'd ever done. So I had to learn that quickly. You're doing like section by section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again for all the different angles, all the different takes. All the different sizes. Yeah. Yeah. Till they all get the different right. coverage of all the different people in it. And you want to be present every time, right? Because right, even if right. the camera's not on you, you want to give the other person the same performance and the same support. Totally different experience. But if we want to talk about but about the mental game, there's major mental game in that. Really? That's hard. Yes. <laughs> I think it's hard everywhere. Uh-huh, the mental uh-huh. game of, of show business. Let's go into that a little bit because you started when you were a kid, obviously, but then when you started doing this as like a career and really decided mm-hmm. to commit to it from then till now is a span of many years. How do you keep in the game? How do you maintain your commitment to it, your passion to it? How do you deal with the the pauses that come? Um, oh, yeah. that That's the thing. I mean, you, you say all the shows I've done or whatever, and it sounds really great, <laughs> but you had to think about all the things that I auditioned for and didn't get, right? And if I were to tell you that list, it would be much longer, of course. So let's just be real, especially also because it spans so long. I've had lots of phases, right? I was a very late bloomer. That was one of the reasons I got into theater as a kid because I wasn't good at sports, And I love music. I love dance. You know, I loved everything that had to do with theater. And I was really lucky because being a late bloomer, being small was actually a bonus. I did The Sound of Music because I was 18, 19, and I could cover 16 going on 17, and I could cover the 13-year-old daughter who was actually played by an 11-year-old. But I didn't need a guardian, and I could go on tour, right? So there are things 
about that. And my friend always says too that she thinks that the reason I was able to learn how to be funny was because I was such a late bloomer. That is like a blessing and a curse, right? Yeah. So that was one phase of your career. So that was one phase. And yes, and I was the little one and I could sing different ways. And that too just comes from work, right? Mm-hmm. Just training, training, and practicing, practicing, singing, singing. I mean, my voice then was so much better than it is now. Uh, <laughs> just well, younger, but also stronger. And because mm-hmm. I just did it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then after that, I went and I did a show at New York Stage and Film one summer for three weeks called Nerds. I just had this feeling about it too, because my agent had said, I don't know, maybe you should audition for this other show that's going to be their good vibrations. That's supposed to go to Broadway. And I said, I have this feeling about Nerds. I don't know what it is. I just, I'm going to go with it. And that's another thing. When I was younger, I definitely was so much better about following my gut. Oh, I also did something gut following. When I was doing Into the Woods, I had done a workshop of A Year with Frog and Toad. I asked to get an out from Into the Woods to go do Frog and Toad at Minneapolis Children's Theater. And my manager at the time thought I was nuts. She said, they won't give it to you. Why would you do that anyway? And I said... No, because I have done that. And she said, maybe they'll make you Little Red. And I said, no, because they want a real kid as Little Red. I want to go do Frog and Toad. And then and then it was going to go off Broadway. Then, I don't know if you remember, it ended up going to Broadway, which was oh. never planned upon. But I didn't go with it because while I was in Minneapolis, that's when I auditioned for Gypsy. They let me miss a uh, performance to go fly to London to audition for Sam Mendes. Wow. But so, but the point is, the friendships I made there and the opportunities that came from that, who knew, right? But yeah. I just, I followed my gut. And so then I followed my gut to to do this nerd show. And that's where I met Sarah Litzinger, my best friend, Kevin Cahoon, one of my oh. other best friends of all time, 20 years. Love Kevin. Yes. And they were the first people that told me that I was funny. I mean, a million other things, but they were the first people that really taught me, you can be funny, you can be whatever you are, be imperfect, be loud, be obnoxious, be <laughs> the opposite of how I was raised in nice, you know, Christian school, in Michigan. That's when the funny part opened up. And it was mainly, I think, because of my friends, my new friends that I was making. Amazing. And also that I was feeling allowed to not take myself so seriously mm-hmm. and not try to be so perfect. Because I think that was also one of the things earlier on in musical theater I had been taught, if you sing this perfectly, if you do it perfectly, if you wear the perfect outfit to the audition, if you, all these things that aren't true, but I didn't know. I was so green. I was so young. I was, you know. We all were at one point. Right. We Mm -hmm. all were. That started, started the funny and the confidence in myself. When I was doing Gypsy, I heard that they were looking for future Glindas. And Uh I asked my agent at the time, okay, I want to go in for a future Glinda. And he said, no, no. They said they won't see you because Dainty June is not Glinda. Uh, And I said, okay, but will you tell them Dainty June will not be playing Glinda, that I will be, I will be playing Glinda. Yeah, yeah, And And you're an actor. Right. But I was like, can I, can I, can I at least try? And he said, nope, nope, they won't. And so, sorry, this is the longest story, but the girlfriend of a guy of Wally Dunn who is in Gypsy. His girlfriend worked at Telsey. She got me on the list for the pre-pre-pre-screen with, you know, the assistant assistant casting director. Right. And I went in and then they said, hold on a second. And they brought Bernie in 
Oh and my I said, gosh. Can we wait till the afternoon when the team comes? No way. So then I did. And then after that, they said, we are going to keep you in mind for future replacements. You did it. So probably a year later, maybe they called and then said, we would like you to open the Chicago company with Anna. And Incredible. it was a dream come true. Hey, this is David popping in here to let you know I'm also working on a book all about the mental game of musical theater, and I'd love for you to check it out. Head over to profeggers.com. That's P-R-O-F-E-G-G-E-R-S.com for information and to be one of the first to get your hands on this book. It's going to help you as you prepare for, pursue, and build your career in musical theater. I appreciate you checking it out, and I appreciate you being here. So let's get back to the episode. Now, at my age now, I don't know if I would push that same way. You know, the not taking no for an answer, the Mm -hmm. following my gut thing. Because, I mean, I was basically, I was just like, look, I would go to Angus after Gypsy and people would say, will you sign my playbill? And they would hand me Wicked. And of course, my whole life, it was like, has anybody ever told you you're just like Kristen Chenoweth? Oh my gosh. I said, well, you have to at least let me try. Yeah. And if you say, then I can't sing it or then I can't do it then that's fine, but you have to let me try. What's weird is as I got older, there was definitely constant struggle now between the let me try and I'm fine with the rejection versus, oh, I don't even know if I want to try because the rejection might hurt. Right. Or I'll be embarrassed or whatever it is. When we're younger, we either don't know any better or we're just so passionate about what we're doing that we're more resilient to take the risk or we have less to lose. I think all of those things. I mean, doing anything I was super excited about, right? So Mm. still being in Tom Sawyer, even if I was off stage, I was still in it, super excited. Or when I was on the Tonys, I was the pig with the brick for Into the Woods, but I was still on the Tonys, super excited, right? So I don't know what it is. So this is where the mental game comes in, right? Right. Because- it is all how you think about it. Because let's right. be honest, like it still isn't life and death. We right. still don't really have anything to lose. It's like, okay, we could get a job that could change something, but we could also not get it. And that doesn't change anything. So yeah. who cares? Who cares? Well exactly. Exactly. Right? Do you think that when we get older, part of our increasing maybe hesitation or however you want to describe it comes from fearing that we're going to disappoint someone or that there are expectations on us? The more established you become, the more you don't want to disappoint your friends behind the table. Or you're, or you're afraid that you're going to get found out, right? I mean, there's the right. imposter syndrome thing that's so real. And also, I think another thing is that the more it becomes a job, right? Because we started doing this. Why? Because we love it. I mean, there's no it. other it's reason, fun. right? Yeah. There's no it's other just reason. Fun we, love we love it, love it, it love it. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, we're like, oh, no, I have to pay rent. Right. Oh, no, I have to. Okay, now how am I going to make this work with the logistics mm-hmm. of everything? And I think, too, the rejection, the rejection, the rejection it does wear down on you. It's like a little bit of Chinese water torture, right? It wasn't sort of till I did High School Musical that I got to look at it from another way or maybe from the age of the kids on the show that Mm. I remembered why I fell in love with musical theater in the first place. But isn't that crazy that when did, I don't know when I fell out of love with it, but at some point along the line, I don't know, I guess I didn't feel as like destined as when I was young. I felt like, it was my right. destiny. And then at a certain point, maybe it's after you haven't worked for a while and you realize, oh, I don't really have any skills or <laughs> now what? My friends and I always say too, the blessing and the curse 
is that it can change overnight, right? Yeah, true. So true. So you can always say, should I quit? Should I quit? Should I quit? But tomorrow it could change. That's right. And we still love it. Yes. And my therapist, okay, so I have a couple nuggets of wisdom that I've worked on for a million years with my therapist. Oh, please share. And one of them, yes, one of them is consider the evidence. She always Mm. says, consider the evidence. Okay. So when you think, I'm never going to work again, which is often, especially when um, when you have great great, wonderful things that happen, at least for me, I think, well, I've already won the lottery. I, I'm not going to win it twice, right? <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. just silly. So mm. I'm going to be realistic about this. I mean, I'm never going to get another show like High School Musical. This is a once in a lifetime thing. And she says, okay, but didn't you feel that way after this? Didn't you feel that way after that? And then she says, and consider the evidence. What happened after that? Did you get another job? Yes. Right. Did you get, you know, were there more auditions? Yes. Always remember that. That's fantastic. So it's like, consider the evidence. Oh, they hired me for that thing. Or even they invited me to audition for this thing. I mean, I didn't get it, but I'm sitting in this, I'm sitting in this room and I know all of these women are fantastic. Right. And you're among them. And I'm among them. Like that in itself Mm -hmm. is a win, right? So I think it's just trying to adjust how you're looking at things. Can we go back and talk about something you brought up a minute ago, which is Mm -hmm. when your hobby becomes your career. We start off in musical theater or theater in general or whatever it is somebody does in the arts. We usually start because of a found a found passion a found excitement mm-hmm. and enthusiasm for the thing or it brings us joy or we find it to be a lot of fun and then at some point a lot of us end up doing it to pay the bills and yeah. to to like create a life for ourselves i think the like ultimate question here is how do you keep the fun of doing what you're doing even after it's become a career? Yeah, I don't know. One of my dad's favorite things is that's why they call it work. And I'm like, oh, mm. okay, fine, dad. I think maybe it's okay for how you feel about it to change. And just because how you feel changes, it doesn't mean that now you're a failure or now it's wrong or something. It's just changing because if yes. we keep fighting that, if I were still trying to do that, then I wouldn't get to play the drama teacher. Right. But now I get to be the drama teacher, which actually is way more fulfilling than so many other things. Right. Because, you know, it's embracing where you are, which is easier said than done first. And also (laughs) it's like something an old person always says to the young person. And I'm sure I'll feel differently when I get... I always say like, I'm waiting to be the next Betty White. Like I am just going to hold on and stay in the game (laughs) until everybody else has quit. and, (laughs) And they're like, there's nobody... Who can be Betty White? And I'm like, I'll just do an impression. I'll just do whatever I can. (laughs) When you get caught up in doing it as your job, and especially the competition of it, do you remember it was that whole thing of you would run into people on, you know, 43rd Street or something, and it was, hi, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, It wasn't, hi, how are you? Or hi, who are you? It was, what are you doing? And then at a certain point, when you don't have anything to say, you start feeling bad about yourself, right? Mm. But then I found myself not having time to go see shows. Yeah. Never listening to other cast out, never learning other songs, just always doing the same thing on repeat. True. I don't know. When I went to see your show at the U, Cabaret, Uh, uh I found that super inspiring, right? To remind Uh. yourself of, but remind yourself of, 
look, those people love this. Those right. people are passionate about this. Like it's still there. You just have to reconnect. Reconnect, yeah. Reconnect and remember why you put up with all the stuff that's not great. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Um, and thank you for coming to the show, by the way. It means a lot. Oh, it was um, great. It was so good. Let's talk about the big R, rejection. Oh, yeah. And because earlier on you said, you know, if we listed all the shows that didn't work out, it would be an incredibly long list compared to what, <laughs> actu- what actually did work out. And I think that's really crucial to point out to people because some people who are just getting started in the business, they'll see a resume like yours and they'll you know, have this incorrect impression that it's just job after job after job after job. But the truth is, We put ourselves out there over and over and over and over again. We're grateful to be invited to the audition, just like you said a minute ago. We're happy to be on the casting director's radar. Also, we never know who's in the room. It could lead to all kinds of other opportunities as well, but that doesn't usually help when it's a gig you really want and it doesn't work out. How do you deal Mm -hmm. with that rejection? Well, I think you get a good therapist and... (laughs) (laughs) Right? But seriously, it's... And I think there's never a moment where rejection doesn't hurt or now I'm not nervous. Maybe there's a code to crack there, but I have not cracked it. So you still get nervous at auditions? Oh, so nervous. Oh, so (laughs) so nervous. How do you handle those nerves? I mean... You know what, actually, what's so funny is that one of the things that helps me be better in auditions uh, was after I had my son and I was just exhausted. (laughs) And so I really was like, I can't even be nervous because I am too tired. Oh, I love that. And then I was more chill. And then I booked a couple things and I thought, I bet it's because I'm just like, this is as good as I can get them. And I'm not, I don't seem desperate because I'm too tired uh-huh. Come off as the, as desperate, even though I am. Um, <laughs> you know, the rejection thing is awful. How old am I? And still, like, Instagram hurts my feelings. What do you mean? I just mean, like, seeing other people's success, right? I guess it's jealousy, but it's also, oh, they've had an easy career. That's what everybody shows you, right? They show right. you the success. They show you the prettiness. They show you right. my perfect whatever it is. But remember, we don't know. And their success doesn't equal our failure, Oh, that's so good. That's right. I had a manager who once told me to, you know, I would get close to something and I'd be like, why? And she'd say, there are a thousand reasons you don't get a job that you will never know about. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about it. You could remind somebody of their ex-girlfriend. You could, somebody could think your voice is too high. Somebody could think your voice is too low. Probably never, but you you (laughs) don't know what it is. And you'll drive yourself crazy trying to figure that out. That was one of my phases, trying to be perfect, trying to guess what I'm supposed to be, then figuring out maybe who I am through help of friends in real life. And then I think my older lady phase is trying to settle into accepting who I am and embracing it because it's like, you can't fight it. And maybe it's too because we're because I'm older. So I'm like, it's too late. Like, why am I trying to chase these things that are not going to happen? Parts I'll never play. You but a what? whole different there area. Are other That's... parts. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, focus on these new parts. Yes. Mm-hmm. I saw Pirates of Penzance here at the Parker. I was like, oh yeah, Poor Wandering one. I remember singing that in voice lessons or whatever. And I thought, oh yeah, well that ship has sailed. And then I thought, oh, but I don't want that part. I want Ruth. She's hilarious. I mean, that's Angela Lansbury. She's just like old and hilarious. And I love that. I mean, that's way more fun. So the rejection, it always hurts. But I think the more you can feel the hurt, but then remind yourself, 
We don't know what's around the corner. And that whole thing of as you get older, you'll be able to look back and see, oh, thank goodness I didn't get that job because then I wouldn't have been available for this one. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. So when you're starting, yes, you don't have that. But if you want to, just remember, Kate Reinders once told me that (laughs) when I look back on this, I might be glad I didn't get this. Yeah. Because you really might be. But go ahead and feel bad about it. And the thing that I try to do too for rejection to not hurt quite as bad is I just try to make sure I do what I can with what I'm in control of. And I think when I was younger, I used to think I was in control of more things. Okay. But now I realize, no, no, I'm really only in control of being prepared. That's right. Knowing my stuff and knowing how I would do it and trying to lean in to who I am to bring that to it. Because when I was younger, I tried to bring what I thought they wanted. Mm-hmm. And then, guys, you can bring what you think they want, but A, you never know what they want. That's and B, right. what if what they wanted was who you really are, but you never showed it? Yeah. Right? Oh, my God, Kate, that is brilliant and so well said. You you are right on the money it with took that. 40 years. And I'm still reminding myself of that daily. Yeah, yeah. I think it takes effort. But that gives me more regret. Like when I think back on things where I was like, ha ha, if only I'd done what I thought was funny. If only mm-hmm. I'd had mm-hmm. the guts to do whatever. You can't go back and change those things, but boy, you can sure bring yourself now into an audition and your choices and your work and the preparation that you just spoke of. That was one of the things in TV that when we started it, I mean, there isn't rehearsal. There's like, you're getting ready, getting hair and makeup. Then they say, can go to set for rehearsal as you're half done. You go and they basically say, you're going to walk here. You're going to walk there. You're going to do this. Then you're going to maybe take this prop over here and put it down here. But you have to remember which hand you pick it up on when you put it down, right? You all that stuff. Now go back and get your hair and makeup Finished. and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And then you come in and it's like and go. And I don't want them to cut because I am not prepared. Right. I mean, everybody messes up. I like sometimes I'm hard on myself if I mess up. But then I try to remind myself, oh, I don't want my kids to feel that way. Hmm. So, so I just tried to foster an environment where Mm -hmm. we work really hard, but we're Mm -hmm. all human. What I think I'm hearing is that you might get like a little blocking rehearsal, but all the choices you're bringing to the performance are on you. Yes. Yes, on you. And also there's so much to distract you in the moment because the cameras are here, the cameras are there. Now we're adjusting your marks just a little bit. And it's a tiny, it's like, you know, you have to peek down at your mark, but don't look at it directly. And like I said, <laughs> don't forget to pick this up or you were holding your hands here or whatever that right, is. Right. And so I learned fast that I need to be so on my words, so in my, just so in it and what the feelings are of the scene and what I'm that so that I can allow my brain to think about the business over here, which mm-hmm. I feel like is the opposite sort of, of theater because our blocking, our choreography, our, even our songs, like they get muscle memory, right? Yeah. Yeah. TV, there's never muscle memory, but I do feel like there's a feeling memory of like, I know how Miss Jen feels mm-hmm. just like posture and anxiety level. I just had to know how to set myself up for success. I knew that these things were going to be new and harder and that it was going to come in the way of my performance if I didn't really prepare. And sometimes they would only have those lines the night before, right? Wow. You just got to show up. Yeah. Do the work. Yes. 
mm-hmm. show up and do the work and, and uh, set yourself up for success. I love th- mm-hmm. how you said that. Well, in an audition and at work, right? Being prepared, doing the work on the things you can work on. Yes. Yes. Like I'm saying, the things you can control. Yeah. Because the worst feeling for me was, oh, I did a bad job on that audition, but that was my fault because I didn't work on it long enough. Right. Didn't yeah, coach it maybe, or yeah, didn't go over it enough. Should have drilled it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've had those too. And owning that is tough, you know, when it happens, mm-hmm. but we could just like learn and do better the next time. And maybe that one wasn't meant to be anyway. That's right. So like you good. said, this has been such a great conversation. I don't want to keep you all day, but I do want to ask you some rapid yeah. fire questions here oh, as we yes. start to as we start to wrap up. First one is what was the last play or book that you read? I just finished Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Have you read that? I don't know it. Okay, it's about a tennis player, fiction, about a tennis player who works her whole life just to be the greatest tennis player in the world. Mm -hmm. She gets all the records and then she retires and then a younger person is about to come overtake her record. So she gets back in there to try to defend her record. And then I don't want to spoiler it for you, but it is a lot about being focused on one thing, putting other parts of your life to the side. And coming out on the other end and wondering why you started to do it in the first place. Mm. Right? Like she ended mm. up getting focused on winning instead of the joy of the game. Uh-huh. I think that translates to what we do. I think it does as well. Process <laughs> over product sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I love that. That sounds like a really interesting book. What's the last musical, the last musical you listened to if you do listen to musicals? Well, we do listen to musicals in my house. I would say they're more movie musicals. Uh, that a really? six-year-old enjoys. So uh-huh. we've been doing a lot of Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, I, I love that. Call that a, yes. But we've been doing a lot of that. Oh my gosh. It comes on like Sirius Radio Channel and we sing our heads off. We know that recording very well. Do you have time to watch TV? Do you watch any TV? Andrew and I like to watch our shows. We just finished Jury Duty with James Marsden. <gasps> I loved have that you so it? much. Have yes. you watched it? I couldn't stop once I started. I had the best time watching that. No, and then at the end where they sort of explain it, but I still wanted uh-huh. to know more. And I was like, how did you pick him? How did you pick Ronald? I know, because right? I really did find like the best guy in the world. Uh, he was adorable, wasn't he? Uh-huh. So sweet. I, I, he's such a sweet person. Oh my gosh. There's it's so much too. heart in that. No, and watching that show too, I was like, how are they how are they doing this? And then when they sh- show you like, no, it's there's really like a call sheet, like a real show and had rehearsal and, uh-huh. but, and they had like, anyway, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but watch it. It's great. Next question. Favorite snack food. I like snacks. Um, <laughs> I could eat a whole thing of Chex Mix. Mm, the salty um, kind or the sweet kind? The salty kind, but like, and the kind you make at home. I really yeah. could just eat like the whole thing. But then the next morning, I'm so puffy, like my eyes won't even open because it's so salty, but it's so delicious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I, I prefer, crunchy, I like the salty food. I like food. crunchy things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a movie Chex Mix Day in our future. We just have to get our families oh. together and hang out. We yes. should do it. Yes. Um, I'll make it in the oven. I'll make the good kind. Oh, I can't wait. All right, let's do it. Last question it's a little bit stereotypical so forgive me that give me a pass but thinking about a role that you haven't played yet what would you like to play on stage this is a great question I think about it all the time but this is one of those delicate questions talking about mental health okay that it's like I like to think about them but I don't like to think about them too hard because I don't want to be crushed 
if I never get to play them. Well, then no pressure. You don't have to answer. No, no, no. I'll just tell you, like, I would now like to either play or cover all the other female roles in Into the Woods that I did not cover last time. I would love to do anything that Angela Lansbury ever did. Anything pretty much that Bernadette has ever done. Oh, I always, of course, wanted to be an Annie. And now... I'm like Miss Hannigan. I want to be Miss Hannigan. It used oh, to be Lily. Be so it used to be fun. Grace. Of course. But now, of course, Miss Hannigan. I'm like, oh, that's the best part. That's um, such a good role. Right? I would love sort of to do anything. And I have totally fallen back in love with musical theater. I have to say, it's seeing it through the eyes of younger people. And now, of course, my son. Mm. I mean, he can sit through it and he'll say, why? Why is there an intermission? Like, what? It's not over yet. I want them to start the show again. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, thank you for this time together. Thank you for everything that you shared, for talking about the journey through through the career and cracking open some of these mind games that we go through in musical theater. Yeah, we all do them. But I definitely do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stage fright, mm-hmm. anxiety over over the work, nerves at the auditions, and the pain of rejection. It's good to hear somebody as accomplished as you talking about these things that I think a lot of people just don't talk about. So thanks for sharing today. I really appreciate it. Everybody remember like the nice things full of love that you would say to your friend going through it and try to say it to yourself. Excellent. I mean, I try to practice that myself too, yes. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thanks for being here today. If you enjoyed this episode at all, please take a moment to leave a review with high marks. You wouldn't believe how much a positive review helps this podcast to reach more people. Then head over to profagers.com to check out my book, all about the mental game of musical theater. And lastly, no matter how you spend the rest of your day, bring enthusiasm to it. You only get this day once, and life keeps getting better and better when you bring enthusiasm to everything that you get to do. Thanks again for spending part of your day with me. Until next time, this is Prof. Eggers signing out.